The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information or other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, I want to give you an update on Pastor Richie. How many of you guys would like to know what's going on in Brazil? So Pastor Richie went to Brazil. He left last Monday, and he's been there all week, and he's so excited. Things are re- there's A lot of great things have been happening all week long. Yesterday, he was... Um, He was blessed to speak into, he spoke at a women's prison there. They have four services, and he said, man, God's, the power of God was so strong in that place, and and women's lives were really being transformed while he was there. Um, He got to see that. There's lots of things that he's been doing. There was another pastor that he met, um, John Batista was his name, and they have like a a home like for uh, men who have been coming out of like a rehab kind of home, and they, they, they farm some land, and so they work that land, and then there's, then they also have a daycare for for uh, prostitutes and their children to take care of the kids, which is an amazing ministry. Um, there's so much that happens that we just don't realize. We are so blessed in America. He visited a cardboard community where they live in cardboard boxes. He also visited, a, there was a street that I guess they have, there's so much drugs that go on. There's, there's places where the police, they just can't even, they cannot stop it. They cannot control it. They actually just let them do it in certain areas just, to con, just so that it's a safer place. So police officers are at one end of the street and they're at another end of the street. And one, one place they'll be doing crack cocaine and another one they're doing some other drugs. And it's just, it's a very hard it's very, very hard and a very difficult place. And he wouldn't been able to go into that place had the, the pastor that was with him has been ministering into that community for over 20 years. And so he was able to actually go into that community without it being a dangerous situation for him. But um, he said, man, your eyes are always open when you go to a third world country and you see just the difference of what, you know, what, how other people live. So we prayed for him last week, he, and, and the one thing that we did pray for was God connections, that God would connect him um, with the right people, and that has happened this week. God has not just, he's connected him with people that really have a like-minded spirit as, as he does, and so we're excited about the future opportunities for us to take a missions trip to Brazil. How many of you guys would like to go to Brazil? I think it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. So we're going to have some opportunities to hopefully do that in the uh, not-too-distant future. So that's going to be awesome. Um, so can, can, can continue to pray for him, please, that his, his journey home will be safe and that he'll get home um, safely. And as you well know, it's not fun being without your spouse. I don't sleep very good. <laughs> I'm a big baby. <laughs> I tried to get Christian to sleep with me, but he said that's too weird. He's too old. <laughs> He's like, Mom, that's just too weird. (laughs) So he's not going to have anything. He wasn't going to do it. (laughs) But anyway, I'm a big baby when it comes to that. Um, But anyway, I want to talk to you guys this morning about something that God put on my heart a couple of months ago when I knew Richie was going to Brazil. He asked me if I wanted to speak. And I just started praying about what what would God want me to speak this morning. And I have a couple of months to think about it where Pastor Richie has like seven days, you know, to get his messages together. I have a couple of months to think about it. (laughs) But um, the question of did God really say and how Satan will try to use God's own words and how he will try to twist those words around so that we will doubt God's goodness and we will question God. 
in our lives. You, do you know as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this place, do you know that you do hear the voice of God? You do hear him. You really do. You hear the voice of God. One of the ways that we hear it is right through this book right here. This is the written word of God. This is God literally speaking to us himself through the word of God. And this word, is, it says in the word that this, this Bible is, the words in this page are sharper than any two-edged sword. They're alive and they're active. And they're, when you read it, have you ever read a passage of scripture and just some words just jump off the page at you and you're like, wow, I never saw that before. That's God speaking to you. That is God speaking to you. He also, when we are born again, there's a still small voice. The Holy Spirit is implanted in us. His spirit dwells within us. And we hear him by that still small voice. And in John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So we are his sheep. We are the sheep, and we hear God's voice speaking to us. So one of the things, first things I kind of wanted to talk about, I'm going to break this down into several different categories, but I want to ask you the question is, who have you been listening to? Who have you been listening to? This all began back in the Garden of Eden. So I want to go back to the very beginning and help us see how the enemy has been deceiving people since the very beginning of time and how we can recognize the voice of the enemy so that we can live an overcoming life on a daily basis. How many of you guys would like to be living even more abundant life every day? A victorious life every day. It is, it is possible. You know, it is possible. So when God created man, he gave him a beautiful oasis to live in. It was called the Garden of Eden, and it provided everything that Adam and Eve needed to live and to be richly taken care of. In Genesis 2, verse 8, it says this, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God had made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and there it separated into four headwaters. Jump down to verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any of the tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So Adam was told that he could eat from any of the trees, including the tree of life, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to say, I, I believe the reason that that is the case is because, you know, when God created those trees and, and that garden, all the stuff that was there, and, and everything Adam and Eve needed was there for their sustainment and to, to be completely successful and completely taken care of and provided for. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, the Lord gave us the opportunity, gave Adam and Eve from the beginning of time the opportunity to decide whether they were going to obey or not. It was an option. God never made us have to obey him or to follow him. 
Even from the very beginning of time, I believe that God made it an option with the tree that there was an option there for them to obey or to not obey, right? So when Satan approached Eve, why didn't he encourage her to eat from the tree of life? Because his plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God's plan is to give us life and life to the full. They could have eaten from the tree of life. That was, totally, that, was a, that was an option for them. They could have eaten from that tree. The only tree that was forbidden was the tree that of, of the knowledge of good and evil. So I want to jump over to Genesis chapter 3. I want to just talk through the fall and how that occurred. So Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read through this passage of Scripture. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may, eat from, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat free fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not eat it, you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves then the man and his wife heard the sound of the lord god as as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the lord god among the trees of the garden But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we've been trying to blame people. <laughs> we've been trying to put the blame on people since the beginning of time, right? Oh my goodness. I love that. I want to go back and just break it down into some sections though for just a moment because I think it's it'll be helpful for us to understand how this really all kind of came into to place. From uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. I have to tell you, I have always hated snakes. I can't, dis- I can't stand snakes. And reading this story, I just can picture this slippery, nasty snake talking to Eve, and it just grosses me out. And I'm like, I'm glad that I wasn't Eve because it would have been bad. He said to the woman, Did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat free fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Well, is that what God said? That is not what God said. So the first thing he goes, Did God really say? And then he puts completely different words in the mouth of God. He says this, did God really say you must not eat, fr- eat from any tree in the garden? 
That is not at all what God said. So what is the first thing Satan did? He made, he made Eve question He made Eve question what God really did say. And he twisted what God really did say to make God look like a mean, withholding God. When he questioned her, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree? When what really was said was this, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you do, you will certainly die. God was trying to protect their innocence. God was trying to protect them, but but the way that Satan spoke it to Eve made it look like God was withholding something from her. And he knew once they ate from that tree that their innocence would be lost and it would bring death into their lives. And we all know that is truly what happened when, when when, when she partook of the tree. From the fruit. And then in verse 4, he says, You will not certainly die. So he makes God out to be a liar. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan is basically saying, telling Eve that God is a liar and he refutes what God is saying by making it seem like God is withholding something good. From them. How many times in your life have you had God is speaking something into your life and the enemy makes it look like he's withholding something from you? So when the woman saw that the fruit was of the tree was good for food and was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. That was probably fun. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. And I always thought, how crazy. How would they even know how to sew something together? I don't know. I mean, I'm like thinking, how would you know how to do that? Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, uh, sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. And this is, this is something I was thinking about, how they were walking. They, had, they did this with God on a daily basis. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They knew he was coming, and they hid from them because they felt guilty and they felt ashamed. But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. So I was naked. So when, uh, when they knew the knowledge, uh, the, when they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that gave them the knowledge to know, and they became afraid. This is where intimacy with God and man was broken. And yes, it did kill us. Physically, it may not have instantly killed us, but that's when sin came into our lives. That's when sin was entered in, and death started to reign in our lives instead of life. And that's why Christ had to come and redeem us from that curse of sin so that we could be completely reconciled back to God. Now, last week, Pastor Richie talked on intimacy. And I want to tell you, if you weren't here or we just were not able to hear that message, I want to let, let you know, please go and listen to that message. It was an incredible message on intimacy with God and how God wants to restore your, your life with him. It was incredible. So, Go back and listen to that word. But 
um, that's where intimacy was broken with God. And God wants to restore that with you today. God wants to restore that with us. He has done it on the cross. Verse 11 says, And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 12 said, Then the man said, The the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from that tree, and I ate it. That is pretty funny, actually. Oh, my goodness. We have really, we've been trying to put blame on others since the beginning of time. How many, how many of you guys have experienced this? You know, you, you're in your job, and you, maybe, you made a mistake on something, and your boss comes to you and said, hey, what about this? Did you happen? And immediately we're trying to think of, okay, well, okay, it was because so-and-so, they didn't get their job done, so I couldn't get my stuff done. You know what I mean? <laughs> so from the beginning of time, we have not wanted to take ownership or responsibility for our own actions. So I want to stop for just a second and, and on this question of who told you that? Who told you? I want to camp out here for just a minute because here's where I believe the enemy gets into our minds and we get confused and we start listening to the wrong voices. You know there are voices, right? There are voices. <laughs> Some of you have more voices than others. And they're talking to you. <laughs> You need to know which ones that are the right ones to listen to. So um, we, we have to stop believing the lies that are planted in our minds. And you, you have to understand, you know that the battlefield is right here. The battlefield is in the mind. And if you can conquer the mind and the, the, the right here, you are going to be victorious. Because the battlefield is in the mind. Because what you hear, and I can tell you, here's a great test for you to know what you really believe. Because whatever it is that comes out of your mouth is what you really believe. And where that belief comes from is it starts right here. You, you have a, a movie in your head. You have an issue. You may, maybe you've had a situation with your spouse or you've had something with a friend or, or something at work is just really irritating you. And you just start playing that movie in your mind. And over and over again, here it goes. And, you're, and you play different scenarios of how that is going to end up or, or how this person's going to respond and then how, what you're going to say back to them. You know what I'm saying, right? This is what happens. We play these things in our mind over and over again, and we try to figure out what scenario and how we want this thing to work out. That's where the battlefield is because then we start speaking that. It gets into our hearts. We start thinking about it. We start thinking about it. We mull it out. We start kind of talking. And then by the the time it's over, we start declaring it. And the power of life, we have that power of life to speak life or death from our tongue. So I want to ask you, who told you that? Who told you that you weren't good enough? Who told you you weren't pretty enough? Who told you you weren't talented enough? Who told you you will never measure up? Who told you you're not smart enough, you're not skinny enough? Who told you you can't make it? Who told you your dreams will never come true? Who told you that you're a failure? Who told you you're, you don't matter? Who told you that you can't, that everything that you do is you're a loser, or you're a failure, or you're never going to make it? How many of you guys that know what I'm talking about? You've heard these things spoken either over you by someone or at least in your mind it has tormented you. I've had it in my mind. Every one of us struggle with insecurities in our lives. Then you add on relationships or things that happen in our life or a tragic event, and it can smooth take you out. 
The enemy's plan is to take you out. And he will do everything that he can to do that. That is his plan. That is his goal. That's what he is doing. You have to know that because you have to know what is truth. You have to know what is truth. If you don't know what is truth, you will succumb to what the enemy's lies are telling you. Period. I mean, it's easy to get into a self-pity party on your own, and you, you get at home, and you start thinking, I'm, I'm, you know, nobody likes me, nobody ever calls me, nobody checks up on me, nobody this, nobody that. Hey, I'm telling you the truth. That's the enemy lying to you, trying to deceive you, trying to get yourself to get you offended with somebody, and God doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to live a victorious, happy, joyful life. So I'll tell you who told you that. The devil himself told you that because he's come to steal, kill, and destroy every bit of destiny that is in your life. And he put it, he put that destiny in you. God himself put it in there. And the enemy knows it. He doesn't know what is all in there. Only God does. So he will try to just distract you, destroy you, hurt you, wound you, get you to where you just feel like nobody likes you or whatever and get you in your pity party and become a victim for the rest of your life. That is not what God wants for you. How does he do that? By thoughts that he plants through people in our lives. He will bring accusations against you. And I know even all of us have been, we've been used ourselves by the enemy as some, you know, in our own life. I mean, how many of you guys have said things that you'd like to take back? I have said things that I'd like to take back. And that little saying, sticks and stones may break my, word, by my bones, but words will never hurt me, is absolutely untrue. Words are powerful. I, I remember some things that teachers told me growing up, and some of them were positive and some of them were not so nice. And I had to overcome some of the things that were spoken over me when I was younger. And it has been a choice. And every once in a while, those insecurities are going to pop up back, back up in my mind, and I have to just make a decision. Maybe I'm going through a little difficult time. Maybe I've had a little situation that's happened in my life. Hey, it's like Pastor Richie says, we are normal people. Just because we're in ministry does not mean that everything goes perfectly in our life. We put our pants on the same way that you do. We do our hair and our makeup the same way you do. It's the same thing. I'm telling you, we live the exact same kind of life that you live, and sometimes we deal with the same exact, the enemy will come at us, and, and sometimes because we're on the front lines, we get it a lot. So we have to stand up and we have to say, no, we're going to believe what God's word says. We're going to speak what God's word says over our lives. And today I want to encourage you. You are who God says you are. Amen? You have to remember that you are not fighting flesh and bone. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. It's your taking a stand against those devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against each other. We have to remember that. It is but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the power of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You understand that we are, we are a spirit man. We are a spirit man. We live in a fleshly body, but we are a spirit. And however many years that we are blessed to live on this earth, whether it's 100, whether it's 70, who knows how many years we have to live. But that, that 
It's over in, in, this, in, the, in this physical realm. The rest of our life is spent in a spiritual world, in a spiritual realm. So we have to understand this is temporary. What you see, what you feel, what you touch is temporary. But what is spiritual, what is eternal? And we have to remember that our lives have an eternal value and an eternal purpose on them. So do not listen to the voice of the enemy. This same thing happened to Jesus. Jesus was um, tempted in the desert after he had fasted for 40 days. And I want to read this passage of scripture to let you see how Jesus responds to the devil when he comes at him and how when he tempts him. And this will give us some great advice. So Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. We have a lot of scripture today. Did y'all notice that? (laughs) You can read the scripture and it's going to get you somewhere. Um, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would be hungry after not eating for 40 days. I would be so hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God. So the tempter comes to him. He knows he's the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see, he's throwing scripture at Jesus, right? You see, the devil is using scripture to tempt Jesus. But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. You understand that the Satan was the worship leader in heaven. His desire has always been that that that. God himself would worship him. He wants the adoration that belongs to God, and he's not going to get it. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So Jesus came back at the devil with the word of God. Do you see how the devil will try to confuse you by speaking scripture? A partial truth, but not the full truth. Just enough that if you're not aware, you're going to be deceived. That's how he works. Believe me, he's been around a long time. He knows scripture. The devil himself knows the scripture. So what is the key? (laughs) You've got to know it as well. He's going to twist what God says just enough to where it sounds like the truth, but it's not. If he did it in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he did it in the desert with Jesus, don't you see he's doing it to you as well? He's called the master deceiver and liar for a reason. (laughs) You have to know God's word, and you have to know who you are in Christ in order to to truly live a victorious life in Christ. You might want to think about that for just a second. You have to know God's word, and you have to know who you are in Christ 
in order to live a victorious life. It's like that picture I was thinking of, you know, when you go to battle and if you just have a knife and the other guy has an, a gun or a sword, you're dead. I mean, you're not going to come out victorious in that situation. You're going to be in trouble. You have to be, you have to know this, you have to know the word in order to be victorious. And today, I want you to be victorious today. So I have put together something for you. I hope you're as excited as I am about it. I've read this several times, and every time I do, I'm serious. I get more and more excited because it's God's word. I have put together for you guys, and, and at the end, after I'm done, after I'm done going through this, I want to let you know you're going to all get one of these. But this is, I call it my declarations page. It has the scripture of everything I'm about to say. As I am speaking this over you in just a second, I want you guys just to start thinking about who you really are. Who you really are and whose you really are. Who do you belong to? Kathy, would you come up? I'm going to do, I'm just going to read through this, and I want you to think about it. And listen, if you get excited, just go ahead and get excited, because I'm getting excited, and I'm fixing to start reading this to you guys, and it's going to be good. It's going to be good. This is what the Word says about you today. You are alive with Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. You are free from the law of sin and death in Romans chapter 8. You are far from oppression and fear does not come near you in Isaiah. You are born of God and the evil one does not touch you in 1 John. You are holy and without blame before him in love in Ephesians. You have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians and Philippians. You have the peace of God that passes all understanding in Philippians. Greater is the one living in you than he that is li- uh, greater is the one living in you. Okay. Hang on. Then he that is living in the world. Here we go. <laughs> That's in First John, and you can look that one up. Um, um, you have received the gift of righteousness and reign as king in life by Jesus Christ in Romans. You have received the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. The eyes of your understanding are being enlightened in Ephesians. You have received the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You have the power over all the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Nothing by any means is going to harm you. Nothing by any means is going to harm you today. Amen? You have put off the old man, and you have put on the new man. You have given, and it is given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And God is given unto your bosom. That is your promise. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own in 1 Corinthians. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and you are not beneath in Deuteronomy. You are the light of the world in Matthew. You are his elect full of mercy, kindness, humility, long-suffering in Romans. You are forgiven of all your sins and washed in the blood of Jesus in Ephesians. You are delivered from the power of darkness and you are translated into God's kingdom in Colossians. You are redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty. Amen. You are firmly rooted, built up, established in faith, and overflowing with gratitude in Colossians. 
You were called of God to be the voice of his praise in Psalm 66 and in 2 Timothy. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You are raised up with Christ and you are seated in heavenly places. You are greatly loved by God in, in, in Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. You are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power in Colossians. You, you are submitted to God and the devil flees from you because you resist him in the name of Jesus. You press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ, God in Christ Jesus is calling you upward in Philippians. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In 2 Timothy. It is not you who lives, but it is Christ who lives in you. You have no lack, for your God supplies all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? You can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one with your shield of faith in Ephesians. You can do all things through Christ in Philippians chapter 4. You can show forth the praises of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. You are God's child, for you are born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. You are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works in Ephesians. You are a new creature in Christ in 2 Corinthians. You are a spirit being alive to God in Romans and in Thessalonians. You are a believer and, a li and the light of the gospel shines through your mind. You are a doer of the word and blessed in your actions in James. You are a joint heir with Christ. Come on, think about that for a minute. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Everything that he has is yours because you're, you're a joint heir with him. Amen. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony in Revelation chapter 12. You are a, a partaker of his divine nature in 2 Peter. You are an ambassador for Christ. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, when you go to work, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. When you go to your school, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. When you go to the grocery store, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are a part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a purchased people. Hallelujah. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5. That is who you are, my friend. That's who you are. That's a lot of scripture, I know. But man, there's nothing like having the word of God. When the enemy tries to come at you, you have, you have some word to go back at him. No, let me tell you who I am. I am alive in Christ Jesus. The ushers are going to come forward. The readers, they're going to give you guys. They're going to pass these down the aisle for y'all. If you just take one. We made them in some colorful pieces of paper so you wouldn't lose them. You would know that this is, hey, this is my declarations page. Hey, I want to tell you, stick this on your mirror at home. Or take about three or four of these. Write them on a note card. Put them in your phone. Speak these into your phone and listen to them back at yourself. I mean, do whatever it takes to get the Word of God in you. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the heart. Man, God's Word is so powerful. 
it, it will change the hardest of hearts and turn it into just a melting pot. God can do that. God wants to do that. And today, I, will, I really just wanted to equip you so that you can have, you can just have some scriptures in your hand. Sometimes, I know it can feel overwhelming, but let me tell you, don't let God's word overwhelm you. You can just get into some of the New Testament. Just start reading. Just start reading a portion of Scripture. Just even if it's a couple of verses, meditate on His Word. Think about it. His Word is powerful. He wants to set you free from every single thing in your life that has been holding you captive or in, in any type of bondage whatsoever. I used to deal with a serious, serious um, spirit of fear. So bad it would torment me. I mean, night terrors. I mean, I would literally, I was scared out of my wits most of the time. You can ask my mom and my dad. I mean, it was, it was horrific. And one time, um, I, we were traveling in the ministry, and we were um, doing, we used to do this drama called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, and we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we were um, staying in this apartment. And um, the Lord just said, you know, you don't have to have this in your life anymore. I'm like, I know, but I've tried to give it over to you so many times. I don't know how to let go of it. Like, I feel like I am, but why is it still here? How many of you guys have felt that way before? <laughs> and he just said, there's no, there's no, it's no secret thing. It's all just right here. Just know that I love you and I'm going to take care of you. And that spirit of fear has no authority in your life. You just tell it to get away. It has to leave in Jesus' name. So I just started saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then the power of his name, the spirit of fear was broken off of my life. You don't have to live in the bondages. You can be a believer and still have things in your life that are holding you back and captive, but you don't have to live that way. And the first thing I want to do as we're just kind of closing today off is First of all, thank you guys for your graciousness. I know I'm not Pastor Richie, but um, I tell you what. No. <laughs> no. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.